welcome to another episode of the Baycare Clinic podcast. My name is Alicia Schertz, and I'll be your host for this episode. Sinus issues plague more than 29 million people in the United States. I'm joined today by Dr. David Gossman, otolaryngologist with Baycare Clinic Ear, Nose, and Throat, who's going to talk to us today about why there may be more to your sinus issues than you think. Thanks for joining us today, Dr. Gossman. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So let's talk about sinus issues in general. How common is this condition for people? Well, as you mentioned in the introduction, it's a very common disorder. Uh, More than 30 million annual diagnoses in the United States, which turns out to be in the adult population, about one in eight adults in the United States uh, are diagnosed with a sinus infection each year. So it's a very common problem. What are the, the symptoms or the what characterizes a sinus issue? The three main symptoms that patients suffer from with sinus infections or chronic sinusitis are discolored nasal discharge, which can be experienced either out the front of the nose or down the back of the throat, Um, difficulty breathing through the nose, and then some form of facial pressure or sinus pain. Those are the three main symptoms that we use to kind of establish a diagnosis. There are many other symptoms that can be associated with it, including cough, headache, ear fullness, uh, but those three are the ones we really look to in trying to establish a diagnosis. And I think that sometimes people may confuse sinus issues with specific allergies, but are there are there triggers or, or something that we should be aware of when it could be a sinus issue? Well, sinuses, allergies, the common cold all overlap quite a bit. Um, and, you know, getting to the bottom of it can sometimes be difficult because patients experience these symptoms and they're not always certain exactly what the cause is. And so because there's a lot of underlying factors that could be contributing to it, um, it does take um, a little bit of work to correctly identify exactly what the cause of the symptoms is. And, and what are some examples of those causes? And you, you had mentioned maybe that the common cold being one of them, but what are some of the causes of, of traditional sinusitis? Sinus infection can be caused by um, viral infection, uh, bacterial infection, um, and in rare cases, fungal. But the two main uh, sources are both viral and bacterial infections. Uh, Nasal allergies often overlap with these symptoms, and although allergies are more of a reaction than not an infection, uh, they certainly can be a contributing factor. Uh, to the development of sinusitis. I want to make the distinction, too, because some people may have heard of acute sinusitis as well as chronic sinusitis. Can you talk about those differences and explain when something like a sinus infection does become chronic issue? Sure. Uh, It's really just a timeline. Um, And we've sort of defined it from a research standpoint as acute sinusitis Uh, are symptoms that typically last for four weeks or less. While chronic sinus symptoms, uh, patients have been dealing with that for three months or more. Now, the patients don't have to be symptomatic every day for three months, but symptoms on and off for a period of time greater than three months would characterize them as a chronic sinus patient. And then there's a kind of a gray area in between, you know, the four-week cutoff and the three-month cutoff where, you know, you have to take an individualized approach towards patients and trying to determine what category you think they likely fit into. Uh, Now, I know we've talked a little bit about 
you know, how many people this affects. And it, 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 literally anybody can suffer from sinus issues. But are there specific risk factors that might make people more apt to experience these? Well, I think still there are a number of things that you can consider on why one person suffers from this problem and another person doesn't. Um, I think um, one example is environmental irritants. For example, if you have a job that has you exposed to a lot of dusty, dirty stuff that you're breathing in on a day-to-day basis, that could be very irritating to the nose and cause an inflammatory problem that can contribute to sinusitis. Similarly, if you're, for example, a kindergarten teacher and you're around a lot of little sick kids all the time and exposed to a lot of viral upper respiratory tract infections. That's a contributing cause. Patients with bad nasal allergies, um, that can be a trigger. And then everybody's anatomy is a little bit different. Patients' sinuses kind of develop differently from person to person. And some people have anatomic reasons why they're predisposed to this problem, such as a deviated septum or obstruction to the sinus drainage pathways. And those are things that can predispose a patient to developing chronic sinusitis. So if, if a person is experiencing sinus issues, what is their course of action? What should they try first? Well, there's some stuff that you can do from home, you know, that are kind of basic um, things for any sort of illness. But rest, you know, if you're sick and you're not feeling well, rest, getting appropriate rest will help your body recover faster. Keeping well hydrated. Drinking a lot of fluid can help dilute thick mucus and promote drainage. Nasal saline irrigation is a very effective um, treatment as it can relieve some symptoms and help remove mucus that's hard to blow out of the nose. Over-the-counter nasal steroid sprays are good uh, for combating inflammation. And in some cases, decongestants. These are all kind of over-the-counter treatments. If your symptoms proceed or are present for more than seven to ten days, at that point it's probably time to seek an opinion of a doctor for further evaluation. Mm-hmm. And what kind of, if, if someone's coming to see you, what kind of treatment options can you provide um, beyond maybe what they can do at home on their own? Well, I mean, the first and foremost is antibiotic therapy. Um, you know, a lot of sinus infections will recover, particularly when we're talking about acute sinusitis, without antibiotic therapy. But if patients have had uh, sinus symptoms for more than 7 to 10 days, they typically would benefit from a course of antibiotics. Now, when we get to talking about the chronic sinusitis patient, which is more what I deal with in my specialty, the, the sort of treatment options get a little broader because they become opportunity to discuss surgical intervention, which um, is an option for patients that have chronic sinusitis. Let's talk about that a little bit as far as moving towards maybe some of those more progressive things. Obviously, diagnosing a cause of these is probably part of what you do as well. Can you talk a little bit about that, maybe helping people figure out what is the major cause of, of their chronic sinusitis? Yep, that's uh, that's very important, uh, probably the most important part of the evaluation process. And we do that via two main modalities. The first is during the uh, initial office visit, we perform a minor in-office procedure called a nasal endoscopy. Um, This is a way to get a better look inside the nose. Uh, We use a little metal rod, which has a light source attached to it and a camera. 
And this allows us to actually go up inside the nose and look around at the area where the sinuses drain, look for infection, look for polyps, um, things that could be obstructing the sinus drainage pathways. And it's just a much more detailed way of evaluating the internal nasal anatomy and looking at what's going on up there. Um, in addition to the nasal endoscopy, we oftentimes will order a CT scan. Now, CT scan is a um, imaging x-ray, if you will, that um, lets us look inside the sinuses. The limit of the nasal endoscopy is that we can't, unless you've had surgery, we can't actually see inside the sinuses. And so the CT scan actually allows us to look in the sinuses. What we glean from that oftentimes are evidence of infection or inflammation that may not be present on the exam. Uh, but even more importantly, um, we're looking for obstruction or narrowing of the sinus drainage pathways, which is something that we can correct surgically if we identify its presence. Talk a little bit about that for patients who might be a little bit nervous about coming in. Is, what is that procedure like? Is it is it uncomfortable for them or... Um, you know, how do you go about relieving maybe some of that anxiety? Yeah, people get a little nervous about that, but it's really not a big deal. I've had it done a bunch of times. Uh, we decongest the nose with some uh, nose spray. In some cases, we use some uh, topical numbing spray, but it's really a very well-tolerated procedure. And although the thought of sticking something up your nose is somewhat uncomfortable to many people, understandably so, uh, most people tolerate it very well. Excellent. So you talked about it a little bit, maybe some of the things that you might discover through those uh, types of procedures. In what instances would surgery be required and, and what does that look like for people? Yeah, well, surgery is an option um, for patients that um, have a diagnosis of chronic sinusitis. Um, if we identify abnormalities on exam or imaging that we feel we can correct, um, you know, for example, if you have a maxillary sinus, which is your cheek sinus, which is obstructed and full of uh, pus, you know, we've tried antibiotics to get it to clear. We've tried nasal steroids, and it doesn't clear up. Actually, going in there and alleviating that blockage and allowing the sinus to drain becomes the best way to get that sinus healthy again. As far as what's involved in that, I mean, uh, sinus surgery is typically done under general anesthetic, so patients are asleep. It's typically outpatient, um, so patients go home the same day, and it typically takes less than an hour to do. There are some options for surgical management that can be done in the office. Newer technologies, such as uh, balloon sinuplasty, which is a procedure we, uh, where we dilate the natural opening of the sinus with a small balloon, um, is a relatively newer technology and in some patients can be done in, in the office and avoid a general anesthetic. And, and now I want to reiterate, because many of the cases that you've seen are, are people who have been diagnosed with chronic issues that have probably been dealing with this for a long time. Someone who, you know, has had a sinus infection for three months isn't necessarily going to come in and have a surgery. This is a step-by-step -step process, correct? That is correct. Um, you know, it's a, it's, the initial evaluation gets us started on what we think is going on. The follow-up visits, which would likely include some imaging or perhaps some allergy testing, or in many cases, another trial of antibiotic therapy. Um, a number of patients that present um, with chronic sinusitis simply haven't been treated for an appropriate duration. And in these circumstances, sometimes we'll provide a extended course of antibiotic therapy 
typically three weeks, uh, and to see what response we get from that. And in some cases, we can clear this up just with the right uh, course of medication. And so each patient has to be uh, dealt with individually because each case is different. How does, and I want to clear this up too, because sometimes there's a misconception that, that maybe somebody can't just call you, make an appointment with you know, ear, nose, and throat doctors and, and kind of start this process. What does the process look like if someone is experiencing sinus issues? What should they do? Yeah, they'd be welcome to call in our office and make an appointment. Um, you know, I think you're right. There's oftentimes a misconception that the patient has to be referred or they have to go through their primary care doctor, which is not the case. I mean, we're happy to see anybody anytime. So basically just call starts with making an appointment and get the evaluation process rolling. And what does that first appointment look like? What can they expect is it, when they do make an appointment? Should they be keeping a journal or anything or, or a journal of symptoms? What should they do? Well, that is all that is helpful, um, but not necessary. I mean, we in our you know pre-visit process will gather the history. Uh, we want to know as much detail about the symptoms the patients have been experiencing, and for what duration, as well as all treatments have been tried. A lot of patients that come in for this evaluation have already tried a number of over-the-counter medications. Uh, they've been on antibiotics either from their primary care doctor or urgent care, what have you. Uh, and so we'd like to get a picture of what has happened prior to the evaluation, and that's usually the starting point of the office visit. Once we've established that and had a chance to discuss and review those symptoms with the patients, then you know we would perform a physical exam, which typically would include the nasal endoscopy that we talked about previously. And then we take all that information, put it together, and try to come up with a customized approach that um, the patient uh, has as much say in as I do. I mean, it's important to understand that chronic sinus disease is really a quality of life problem. And the degree to which a patient is bothered by the symptoms really matters a lot because if you have very mild symptoms and they're not really bothering you that much, maybe we don't need to do a whole lot and the patients are okay. Or to the other hand is if you have severe symptoms and they're really bothering you, then we really need to do all we can to try to get to the bottom of what's going on. This is great information. Is there anything else that you'd like to add for our patients? Uh, No, I think we covered some good stuff there. I just would encourage patients that... um, you know, if they're dealing with these symptoms, uh, they should have it evaluated. I mean, I see a lot of patients who have been suffering with sinus symptoms for years, um, and they're just living with it. And again, I mean, chronic sinusitis being a quality of life issue, you can live with impaired quality of life for quite some time. After a while, people just don't realize that they don't feel well, and, you know, they kind of get used to it. So... I would just encourage patients to advocate for themselves, and if they're experiencing any of these symptoms, it's worth getting it checked out. Absolutely. But they maybe don't have to suffer through it, that there's solutions out there for them. Right. I think that's true. I mean, maybe a lot of people don't realize that, but I think that's largely true. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Dr. Gossman. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Dr. David Gossman is an otolaryngologist with BayCare Clinic Ear, Nose, and Throat. To request an appointment or to learn more, visit baycare.net. Thanks so much for listening.